0: Welcome to the Yoga Teacher Evolution Podcast. Namaste, my name is Paul Tioto. joined here with Michael Henry. Most yoga teacher trainings are becoming watered down and mediocre. So we've created this podcast to help supplement those of you who graduated from a teacher training and don't feel confident going out into the real world. Michael and I are lucky to have been trained by some amazing people We've gone out into the world ourselves and had success, and we want you to feel confident to protect your students and to build your career with integrity and authenticity.
1: Welcome to our podcast. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Yoga Teacher Evolution podcast. My name is Michael Henry, and I am not your host for today. Today, we have a special guest, and Paul is actually going to be interviewing this guest. The thing that you need to understand is that this interview happened about four months ago. Uh, these files actually got lost, so you can consider these the lost files. And this interview is between Paul Tioto and Danny Pomploon. So in this episode, it's about a 45 minute episode, and there's so much juicy, good information that you're going to want to listen to this. And even though it was recorded four months ago, it's so, so good. So 99.9% of the conversation is still relevant. So. Please spend the next 45 minutes listening to this episode. I promise you, you will not regret it. Danny is an inspiration. His story from leaving home and living on his own from the age of 16 years old, getting involved in drugs, sex trafficking, working at gay bars, and ultimately transforming his life through yoga and his entire story from beginning to end and where he is now is something that you're going to want to hear. So without further delay, I'm going to let Paul kick this off.
0: I am your host for this episode, Paul Tioto, and I am here to welcome my friend Danny Pomplun. Danny is a yoga teacher, a podcaster, a entrepreneur, a badass. Um, what else are you, Danny? You have uh, you have your own app. You're like uh, you're like Steve Jobs meets Krishnamacharya.
2: <laughs> I've never heard that, but you know what? I'm going to take it because they were both really cool dudes. Yes.
0: So you mix Steve Jobs with Krishnamacharya, you have my guest. It's going to be an awesome interview.
2: You forgot to say I'm also a Leo. I like long walks on the beach. Uh, you know that kind of
0: stuff. <laughs> There he is. So Danny lives in San Francisco. He's a senior teacher, a very well-known teacher in the Bay Area, and um, has an amazing outlook on life and amazing story. So how are you doing today?
2: Not bad, man. You know, it's just uh, getting by on the getting by. Every day is a little bit different these days with the state of the world, but all in all, I can, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but like hashtag blessed. (laughs) I love it. Yeah.
0: Well, to be able to to go immediately to hashtag blessed in 2020 means that you must have done a hell of a lot of work on yourself to be that optimistic.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, you know, it's, it's, that's definitely true. And it's not to say that, you know, this is my mantra. And this is what I've been saying for everybody. Like you've got one job to do right now and your one job to do today is to try and not lose your shit. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you're required to do today. You don't got to be a hero. You don't got to any, like drop all of that expectation stuff in the state of the world right now and just be, be for a little bit and try not to lose your shit and take care of yourself. That's all you have to do right now.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. And like, um, like Eckhart Tolle says, is like in every moment of your life, try to find acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm. And acceptance mm. is just, Like that's the bare minimum where you're not creating more uh, suffering for yourself or others. And, and uh, that's it. You know, I think that's a good thing to aspire to in a year like 2020 where so many of us have had the slate completely wiped clean.
2: It's so hard, man. And, and, you know, we, we, we hear these things in the practice. We hear these things from these teachers and they sound so beautiful. I mean, I can't tell you how many of those quotes I've posted, but practicing it and putting it into reality, oof, dude, that's a whole another ball game in itself.
0: I, I, yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Um, well, let's start from the beginning. So you are, are you born and raised California? Are you a Californian native?
2: California born and bred.
0: What part of California?
2: East L.A., like the song. I was born in East L.A. You remember Cheech and Chong? East L.A. That means you were probably born with those (laughs) tattoos. Yeah, I was. I I came tattooed. Well, so the knuckle tattoos, you know, they say love life. And I like to say that they were supposed to say thug life, but someone messed it up.
0: (laughs) Wow. Um, What part of East L.A. were you from? Uh,
2: So I was born in the uh, Garfield Medical Center, which is in Alhambra. And then I grew up in Monterey Park and Echo Park and just kind of all over
0: there. Those are really cool, like artsy neighborhoods now. But back then, they were now, a little bit rougher. Correct,
2: dude. You didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We lived in. I mean, we. It was kind of all. We, we moved around a lot as a kid. So you know, we, we we Alhambra, Monterey Park, Echo Park, and Southgate. Like that stuff wasn't cool. Yeah, <laughs> that that stuff was not cool at all. Now it's like
0: bougie AF. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely become like the new hip area where all the, the artists are. Um, so after yeah, after spending sure. years roaming around uh, I read that you actually were out on your own at the age of 16 17 correct
2: yep yep that's correct that's correct yeah so my you know my parents you know not to not to discredit them they're not bad people none of that you know they they just they like all of us right they've got their own story and they did the best with what they had I, I sometimes think about that now like I'm 36 now. And I'm like, my dad had me when he was 23. Like, what? (laughs) I didn't know what I was. I had no clue. I still have no clue. I I pretend to know what I'm doing as an adult, but I don't. And, uh, you know, so there was some alcohol and um, and addiction in my my story for sure. And my mother was in and out of prison my entire life. So I moved around a lot. And uh, the final stint of her being in prison, I was, you know, with my father. And uh, I came out and it didn't go so well. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, just started living on my own wow. because I couldn't, li- I couldn't do the thing at home. So yeah, I just, uh, I took off and
0: started living. And, and what did living look like at the age of 16 with, uh, um, some pretty deep wounds from, from your family?
2: Yeah. Well, you know,
0: it- at that point, you don't really,
2: ha- you know, when you're 16, you don't have the emotional capacity to be like, oh, this is anxiety and this is fear and this is all that from my parents growing up. You're just like, oh, shit, I'm 16, 17 on the street. I got to figure out how to survive and eat. So you just, you, you kind of bypass all of that and you do what you got to do. And for me, that looked like uh, a lot of drugs and it looked like sex work and it looked like doing whatever I had to do. You know, there was some, some. I mean, you name it, anything and everything that I had to do to get by, I pretty much did whatever I had to do to get by, you know, I was young and living, you know, it, not necessarily in the streets, but I also wasn't living, a you know, I wasn't, I wasn't taken care of. No one ever, you know, took care of me um, through those years. I, I had to just start surviving, you know, so um I yeah I did that and then I ended up working at a at a blockbuster video when those existed and uh, I I I thankfully was able to lie my way into getting a management position there so they thought I was an adult they didn't know I was underage and uh, I you know I started just hustling there and another little side job here and there and you know I I just made it work Uh, obviously wasn't easy and wasn't fulfilling but I just had to do what I had to do to survive
0: wow wow so Mm -hmm. so coming out of that and, and working at Blockbuster as a manager, what was there, um, were you in Los Angeles or were you in San Francisco?
2: I was in Los Angeles. I've only been in San Francisco for, for six years now, well, six and a half now. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. So, yeah. so you're in, you're yeah. in Los Angeles working at, at Blockbuster. And, um, did you have, I mean, I, I'm sure you did. Did, is did you have a, a fire that was lit inside of you or, or was it at first um, the wounds of your past came back to haunt you perhaps at a, at, in your twenties and, and that's when you found yoga and meditation or was there, was there a shit? No, nah,
2: nah. there was, there was a lot more shit in between there. You know, there was, you know, that's kind of how, that's really the start of it. Right. And then, you know, you fast forward a little bit. I, I, I worked, you know, retail and still sold drugs and still did sex work on the side and you know whatever you know just to to get by and then I I think it was about like 18 I had gotten a job where I didn't have to do all these extra like side hustle things and whatnot and kind of was just working a a job for a little bit for uh, for a skate shop and they had moved me down to San Diego uh, to 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 manage a couple of stores down there and, and I did And, uh, I did that for a while and then I got introduced to, you know, some friends and started working at gay bars when I was, I actually got hired when I was 20. No one knew that I was 20, but I got, I got hired at a gay bar, um, at 20. And, uh, and then they promoted me (laughs) shortly afterwards. They made a 21 year old, Paul, the manager of a bar. That is not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) No,
0: absolutely not. But it seems like, it seems like because of your have, learning how to hustle at a very young age, you knew how to kind of bend the rules to get what you want or to kind of um, say what needed to be said and sh- kind of maybe shuffle some of the other stuff under the carpet or whatever.
2: There was some of the, there was some of that, but the truth was I worked really hard. Yeah. Like that was, you know, I didn't really, I, I, didn't, I never really had to like, you know, MacGyver my way into any sort of situation with my words. I really just worked really hard. Like I would do the things that no one wanted to do. So, you know, I wasn't afraid to like, you know, I got the job at at the bar because I I took the shitty shifts. You know, I I worked the times that no one wanted to work. I scrubbed the toilet. I did all that stuff that no one wanted to do. And so uh, that really, you know, that that I wanted to be there. I wanted to do the thing. So that, that really helped out. And I did it. I did it. I did it really well for a few years, you know, but. You're also 21 and you've got so much emotional damage and, and you still haven't processed it because you've just been surviving this entire time. And now you're in a place where you have alcohol running rampant and you have drugs literally being handed to you all the time because you're in a position of power. So my early 20s were really, actually well, a lot of my 20s were really intense. They were, they were full of drugs and full of booze and, you know, it, Still coping, you know, not really wanting to dive into emotional anything, and I didn't really get to that point where it was time to really unpack and shift and make a change. It's kind of a two part setup. I had a partner at 25 who had passed away of AIDS, and that doesn't happen, you know, in, in this day and age. That was a thing of of the past, and and he did and. I still had no idea how to emotionally support myself. You know, I was still like, you know, a, a screaming five-year-old inside. And so what was the first thing that I did was I went and got an eight ball of cocaine and a bottle of booze and, you know, try to kill myself. That was the easiest way out of it. It was so much pain and I didn't know how to talk about it and I didn't know how to deal with it. So I wanted it to go away and I failed at that. I didn't, I mean, knock on wood, I didn't do well at the suicide, but, you know, it got me to a place where, I was living with who I now refer to as like one of my sisters, you know, my, my, my best friend of the whole wide universe. She's truly I think she's a saint or an angel. Cause I don't know how she dealt with me sounds, for so many sounds years.
0: Sounds like a guardian angel.
2: <laughs> totally. Totally. She was my roommate and basically, you know, said, you know, I, I, I can't live with you like this. I can't see you do this to yourself. And you know, like I. You got to help yourself or you can't live here. And I didn't have the resources to go live somewhere else. So she's like, go do yoga. You used to, you've done yoga before. You used to surf, like just do something. And they had opened up a little yoga studio around the corner from my spot. So I walked in the yoga studio and Paul, oh my God, man, I was, I was that guy. I walked in and I was like, is this going to be hard? (laughs) Cause I'm athletic. So am I going to sweat? Like I was that asshole in the room. I like walked to the teacher, was checking in, and was like that person. We know who that person is sometimes. Yeah. But I, I was that guy. And, you know, the teacher uh was just so sweet. Meg Tway is on, man. Meg, if you're listening to this, I love you still to this day. Um, you know, she was just so kind and was so open hearted and was like, it's gonna be whatever it is. You know, it's just like and just just stick with it and you'll enjoy it. And, you know, I did the class and It was a backbending class and she had talked about being heart-centered. And I'm like, what is all this business of emotions and heart-centered and compassion and empathy? Like, what are these words? (laughs) I would never heard them before, you know? Yeah, yeah. So overrated. And so overrated. Feelings boring. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I kept going back. I kept going back to yoga because I had to, because I couldn't live in my apartment if I didn't. And I don't know. It was different. It was... She was nice to me. You know, the teacher was super kind to me. The people in the room were kind of cool. You know, every, it was just a different, it was very different from the bar scene. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't, I I felt like I could, there was a different version of myself that was coming out. And in retrospect, obviously it had always been inside of me. I just didn't know how to articulate it, right? But I was starting to do that in yoga. And, you know, sure enough, you know, months later, I, you know, was, was working at, the two bars at the time. And, and I quit one because I was literally getting supplied drugs from the owner and, and thought it was a, a great idea to just leave, you know, to stop it. I wanted to change a little bit. And so I quit and because I quit, I was going to have less income. And I remember going back to, to Meg and being like, this has been such a great year. Like, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for me. And you know, I didn't go to anyone else's classes unless she told me that the teacher was okay. Yeah. Cause I didn't trust any, I didn't trust anybody, you know, Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So she said, well, you're not coming to yoga anymore? And I was like, I can't afford it. You know, I can't afford 100 whatever bucks to 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 be coming because I'm, I'm not working at the bar anymore. And she's like, well, you can still do yoga. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't afford it. And she said, you can come and scrub the toilets and we'll give you free yoga. And Paul, I didn't even second guess it, man. I was like, yeah, I'm going to scrub some toilets. And I scrubbed 10 toilets three nights a week for a year. 10 toilets wow. three nights a week for a year. I didn't raise my eyebrow. I didn't, you know, say I was above it. I just showed up and I did the fucking job because they showed up for me, man. These people were awesome. And they were telling me things that I'd never heard before. Like they believed in me, like they loved me and they supported me and they didn't care who I was and what I was worth. Like or like or what, you know, like financially things like like they didn't care about any of that stuff. They just wanted me to be there.
0: And that is like, uh, it's disagreeing with the idea of what you, you, the world or what your parents had taught you about the world. Like you can't rely on people, um, don't trust people, uh, you know, money, like people will judge a book by its cover. And then you come to this place where uh, they see something inside of you that's deeper or more significant that, that perhaps they, they trust that the yoga could help to um, bring to light. Maybe
2: a hundred percent, man. And, and, and I will say this too, you know, the, the, the journey of that whole situation was actually pretty cool in itself. Like, you know, everyone's like, well, how did you get to like, you know, teaching internationally and in festivals and da dah, 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 I literally started scrubbing toilets at a yoga studio. Everybody like that, that is, that is my secret. I didn't, there was no marketing scheme. There was no funnel system. I started scrubbing toilets at a yoga studio. That's how I got into it. That's, that's how I got
0: here. Well, but um, I always tell my students literally when they graduate from their teacher training, um, you know, go, go teach for 20 bucks, go teach for $15, go scrub the toilets, go work the front desk. And it's like, it's those types of students that will end up being the type of teachers that are, are right. teaching in festivals and stuff like that. Because there's a certain degree of work ethic and humility that is so necessary. Yeah. So you know, you yeah. know, you do teacher trainings, and you and you and you get somebody who's, you know, maybe coming from corporate America and they're used to making hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and then they get out into the world, yeah. and somebody's like, yeah, I need yeah. you to teach at two p.m. for four people. Uh, we're going to pay fifteen dollars, and and you have to take those jobs. You know, you have to yeah. scrub the toilets. You have to. I mean, and that's what it was back in India. Like, if you worked for a yoga teacher, you would scrub his toilets. You would sleep on his floor. You would scrub his hair. You would brush his, you know, like, everything. Like, there was a certain degree of, like, paying your dues and having that work ethics of I'm not above anything that is so necessary. Um,
2: I didn't didn't know that beforehand. It was just something that was in me. Like, I don't know. I just... I'm here to do the thing, so let's do it, right? Yeah. Like that's what you're supposed to do.
0: And at that point were you sober yet?
2: No, no. No, 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 no. This the plot thickens, man. The plot totally thickens.
0: Okay. So you had so you I had 1 foot or maybe a, a foot all the way up to a knee in, in in into yoga, but you were still not completely immersed in it or were you immersed in it but still using and still uh, oh,
2: no 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 i just i was. this was like i had like a stiletto in to yoga i was still having a great t- i was still having a great time you know what wh- the kicker was you know i ended up you know th- doing toilet scrubbing and then i was in charge of the toilet scrubbers i made their schedules and then i ordered the supplies and then they moved me to front desk you know i moved up really quick in the ranks it was really good and um i remember uh, them being like yo danny um we've got this thing called teacher training and you should do it and I was like fuck you I'm out (laughs) like I'm not I'm not doing that I like I don't want to be a teacher that sounds stupid and they're like right but you you know we're actually getting rid of the trade program we can't do it and so if you want to get yoga for the next three months for free you're going to do this teacher training program and I was like all right looks like I'm going to do the teacher training program and I didn't realize then obviously you know what I know now but they saw that in me they saw something in me that they're that they, they actually gave me a scholarship for it that I didn't, I didn't even pay for it. They're like, you're, you're going to do this, you know, you're, and I continue to do the work, you know, the, the, the trade work and whatnot, but they wanted me to start teaching someone, you know, a, a few of them in there who I still talk to, to this day, saw something inside of me that needed to come out. And obviously they couldn't force me to do it, but they could invite me to the work. You know, they could invite me to the party.
0: I think that the, the, the people with, uh, you know, they, as Eckhart, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of Eckhart Tolle, but I'm going to keep talking for whatever. He's awesome. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, but I think he, he always mentioned that the, the people with the heaviest pain bodies have the greatest potential to really become amazing influences in the world, whether it be a teacher, a healer, an artist, a musician, something like that. And, you know, I, I think it's, you can, you can see that in people. I had a uh, a guy who just recently graduated from our teacher training who used to be addicted to crystal meth. And I just knew that this, this guy had so much potential and uh, now he's out in the world kicking ass. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, I, same thing. I gave him a scholarship and um, gave him a real man to man, heart to heart about you know, how much I believed in him and how he also needs to keep his heads, you know, screwed on straight. And uh, yeah. it was a really beautiful thing because now he's he's a new teacher, but he's kicking ass. Um, so yeah. it's cool.
2: There's purpose there. You know, you gave, you, you reminded people, you reminded someone, it sounds like a purpose. And that's what they did for me, you know, and and. I remember, you know, I I mean, this, the, the long winded story here is I started teaching and then, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing and I still didn't get it. You know, I was doing the yoga per se, not realizing the yoga was actually doing me, you know, that the gifts of the practice were coming, but they just weren't coming. And I didn't know that they were happening, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget, man, I was still, you know. I was still drinking and teaching, and you know, just just a little less. I was drinking a little less, and I was partying a little less. I was doing less drugs and less drinking, but I was still doing it. And there was there is there is a distinct time and place where I remember I, I woke up one day in San Diego where I was living, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't work at a bar anymore. I I I, I am going to. It felt like when I wanted to commit suicide. That's that. It felt like I wanted to, My soul was starting to die. And, uh, and I told a friend and she's like, let's, uh, let's introduce you to some teachers. And so I remember going to the yoga journal conference and I met Jason Crandall and Stephanie Snyder and Shiva Ray. And, uh, you know, it was Judith Lassiter all on the same weekend and, and a lot of people were based in San Francisco. And so I had said, I'm going to move to San Francisco and become a yoga teacher. And that's what, that's what needs to happen. And, uh, I did, man, I like, I, I made this plan. It took me a few years, but I still bartended and still had this plan and this plan. And then one day I just pulled the trigger and moved to San Francisco. And, and even as I came back up here, like, you know, I, I, I didn't start teaching yoga. Actually, the first thing I did was get a job at another gay bar. Cause I knew I was good at it and they knew I was good at it. They knew I was good at it too. They're like, Oh yeah, you're, you're Danny. We, we've heard about you. And, uh, I, I just went back into my old patterns. I got here and was like new kid on the block and wanted to party all the time. And you know, there goes the cocaine and there goes the booze and there goes the Danny, you know, like wind him up and there he goes.
0: I Uh, used to be, I used to be a bartender too. And I, I actually, uh, bartended private parties and I, I bartended a ton of like private parties for gay guys and they always used to tip me really well. So, uh, they they helped (laughs) me, they helped me stay alive in Los Angeles as I was getting going. And uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, I'm very grateful for that.
2: It lasted this, you know, this, this time it lasted around nine months and, you know, I had gone out one night and I partied way too hard, made some really serious poor choices that night and woke up the next day. And I had that feeling again of like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this. And I knew that that was just like, I needed to do something different. So I had reached out to Darren Main, who, uh, who's, you know, a teacher and friend and so many other things that I get to call him. But I'd read his book, you know, The Path of the Urban Mystic. And I connected with the story. He was a queer man. He had a drug problem and he loved yoga and, you know, he was doing yoga. And I, I showed up at his house, Paul, and I cried on this man's couch for like two hours. I was just sobbing my life story. Oh, my
1: God, my parents, blah, blah, blah,
2: blah, blah. And but this poor dude just listened to me pour my heart out. And at the end of it, he goes, well, Danny, did you ever think that you should just maybe get it together and start teaching yoga?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's so scary if you don't love yourself enough yet to be seen like that and to have the responsibility yeah. of holding space for people. Uh, I, I, you know, some people, when people aren't teachers, they don't understand. Like, it's a lot of, if you really love it, it's a lot of responsibility, you
2: know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, it'll change your life, like whether you want it or not, like not. It's going to change your life. Like end of story. Period.
0: Yeah, you know? I, I totally agree. You know, yoga changed my life, and then teaching yoga changed my life, and then meditating sure. changed my life, and then teaching yeah. meditation changed my life. Like every single one of them forced me to operate at a higher and higher level of ethics and morality and it's, it's for me like especially teaching meditation like when I started teaching meditation yeah. I really started to having I started having to walk the walk and to, to really do the things that I was telling my my students to do and um yeah. you really have to love yourself and and respect yourself to be able to do that without it it messing with your head you know what I mean
2: absolutely. And to be grounded as well, you know, you have to, well, listen, you don't have to do anything. You have an opportunity and you have a chance to step into, right? You don't have to anything in this, in this life, you have a choice and you have agency of choice to step into the seat of vulnerability, to step into the seat of a practice and to step you know, really, it's just stepping into you. It's the truth. It's, it's the truth of you. It's the reality of you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I, I know, here's another question, just to backtrack a little bit. It sounds like y- you had a lot of wounds from your childhood, but was was coming out, was that fairly easier for you having grown up in Los Angeles and and then being in California where being gay is not really much of a taboo at all was that was that easier for you or was it something that was uh
2: coming out coming out was hard for like my family situation like that was you know that was the kicker of me living on my own was coming out to my dad my dad being like nope you know that was the hard part and you know that probably I, I yes and you know like that was that was it that was, that was that for the coming out. But like, once I, I mean, I started working in gay bars at 21, I felt really supported by a a gay community. You know, like I, I, I lived in a gay, I lived a gay life for, I mean, I live a gay gay life, right. But I lived and worked in, in, in queer and gay communities since I was 19, you know, like, so that I didn't know any different, you know, it was just a part of the thing.
0: That's great. I mean, that's, that's wonderful. You know, I, because on top of that, if you had the the shame of not wanting or not feeling like you were free to just be yourself, like that would be um, yeah, really hard. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Darren, you know, he just, he looked at me and he was like, just, you know, do, d- start teaching. And I was, you know, I was new to San Francisco. I had only really done a 200 hour that was, you know, a, a cookie cutter 200 hour, you know, uh, they didn't really teach me a lot. It, my teachers taught me a lot, but the, the company, you know, that, that I did it with was very like, you do it our way and that's it. And don't ask questions kind of deal. Um, and so, um, yeah, man, I remember going to work, you know, a few days later and I remember picking up a shot of Jameson, which was my favorite and I was picking it up to drink it and I could not physically do it. I couldn't come to doing it. Like I just, it's almost like it was like, it turned into like a million pounds and I couldn't pick it up. And I kind of feel like that was like, you know, when I realized Dharma and my Dharma was like, this isn't going to support what you want to do. So you should probably not do that anymore. And, and it was like, I never really second guessed it seven years later, you know, here I am. And I never, I still, to this day, have not been like, oh, I really want to drink right now. I'm just like, oh no, that's, that's done that. Like that doesn't really serve what I'm doing, you know, right now. And yeah, I started teaching, I started, you know, st- started teaching at 24 hour and started teaching at, you know, all the little small mom and pop yoga studios. And, you know, I assisted for all the teachers up here and just really got my hands in it. And, yeah, you know, I worked the bar and, and worked teaching and, 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 uh, and I got lucky, you know, a couple of times I did get lucky. And I remember going into this class on a Monday night, and it was a 615. So a busy class here in San Francisco, you know, and I remember sitting there. And being like, and this is after I'd had like Tuesday, Thursday, 3 PMs, like no one goes to those classes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like no one does that. But thank
0: God, because you need a safe place to find your voice, you know?
2: Well, I mean, listen here, uh, the the story goes, I subbed out. I was, I just got hired at Yoga Tree. They didn't want to hire me, but, uh, they actually made me go through a bunch of things to like get hired. And, um, you know, they, they, they I, w- I went to go teach or I went to go take this class from a teacher that they wanted me to mentor from. And there was a landslide on the freeway. And so the teacher couldn't make it. So the front desk guy was like, Danny, the owner's on the phone and she wants to talk to you. And she picks up the, or I pick up the phone and she's like, Hey, this is where you get to prove yourself. And I like ended up teaching this random class to people. And then they put me on the sub list and it was right before the holidays. And in that holiday season, I had subbed like 32 classes, Paul, between like Thanksgiving through new year's. I just took anything and everything anyone asked me to do no questions asked
0: me too man i did it too my first three years i was the yes man yep
2: yep didn't care how many people didn't care the like didn't care time just said yes and that got me far because they knew i wanted to do the thing and then it you know i I started getting better classes and i built those classes because i made those connections and you know i i took my studying really seriously and I got to the point where I was like, you know, like bartending and and even everyone at work was like, you're so done here. Like, what do you do? You don't drink. You don't do drugs. Like you, you just, you're just here for the money. And I was like, yep, pretty much, pretty much. I'm just here for the money. And I got to a place where I was able to, you know, get comfortable in, 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 in in financially, I should say, you know, living in San Francisco, which is a hard thing to do as a yoga teacher, as as anybody. And uh, I showed up to this class man on a Monday night and was like, so nervous because it was just consuming my brain. I was like, I need to quit the bar because I'm starting to feel antsy again. And I know I want to teach yoga full time. And I sat down and it was like something else took over me. And I looked at the class and instead of a Dharma talk, I was like, yogis, I think I want to quit my bar job. And Teach yoga full time and legit. Everyone, there was just this roar in the room and people clapping and cheering. And we started class twenty minutes late because everyone came up and we all were standing and having side conversations and people being like, "Yeah, you know, I, I hated what I was doing and did this instead." And da, da 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 da. And everyone was like, "Yeah, of course you're doing that. Duh. Like that's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you're not supposed to be bartending. You're supposed to be teaching yoga." But I didn't believe in myself. You know, I still had this story of. I wasn't enough and I wasn't going to be supported or I was going to land not safe or, you know, whatever. And and here was this room with 30, 40 bodies in it telling me to do this strength. Like they come to my yoga class. They don't sit, you know, they don't tuck me in at night in bed and and tell me all their secret or, you know, listen to all my secrets. But here's this room of random strangers that believed in me. Yeah. You know, when I, when I hadn't really truly fully always believed in myself.
0: That's so beautiful. And And I think, I think it's that combination of like, you know, you need to love yourself. And then also the work ethic that you have is necessary to become good at anything. Like, like if you want to become a really great yoga teacher, you have to have that work ethic that you have. And you just gave me goosebumps and you're telling that story, by the way. Nice job. Oh. You sent me some <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah man and it's you know I like and even still through the journey you know like I I've I I I don't look back and like the, I don't understand the concept of 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 anyone not want I don't know I just everything has taught me something and everything has brought me to this point you know every everything and even when I was first like teaching I was like I got to check all the boxes as a yoga teacher you know yeah. I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do that and then I actually started practicing the yoga. And you're, you're probably thinking, well, what? You were, you were teaching for years. You didn't know what you were doing? Nope. <laughs> no clue. The work started later for me. You know, I had the hard, the, the, the worth ethic was there, but the internal work, that started a little bit later. Yeah. And that's where the magic happened.
0: Oh, yeah. And then you become a really great teacher because you're teaching from your experience. And like, uh, yeah. yeah, I think for, for me, I was lucky because I had my rock bottom um, first, and then I... Did some serious therapies, like twelve-step programs, for a few years and healing, uh, and then I started teaching. so by the time I started teaching, I had already cleaned out—not completely, but I, I cleaned out my soul significantly. So I felt like I was uh, ready to really hold space. Um, but it was because yeah. I, I, I truly understood what hopelessness feels like and what mis- what it feels like to be miserable. And and then I came around and developed this. Uh, you know, spiritual connection, which I, I was very, um, sure of as long as I surrendered to it, if you know what I mean?
2: That's such a great way to, that's such a great way to say it, man. I knew what misery felt like yeah. <laughs> in every single cell of my being. I was just, I I knew it and I felt it and I didn't want to
0: do that again, Yeah, you know? Oh man, I feel you. And then we have so much. A person, you or me, or a person that is that really gets in touch with, you know, that level of the shadow has so much to offer other people that are suffering because there's like yeah. an empathy and a compassion that they, you don't even necessarily need, need language to make a person feel like you get them, you know, like if, yeah. if you've really suffered and I, I did for a few years, like really bad anxiety and depression, and mm-hmm. somebody else is suffering. Just by the way that you look at them or feel them, you can you can let them know that that you understand. At least I feel like at least
2: I one hundred percent. It's not a conversation. Yeah, that is no is it's it's a look. Yeah, it's a look, and sometimes it's a touch. Yeah, sometimes yeah, like those are the two for me. Where I like look at someone, I'm like yeah. It's it's almost like I got you. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to the 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 two hours that you're going to spend telling someone this story, I don't need it. I get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So this is, I think to, to kind of the, the final few minutes of this discussion, what not, not advice, but what are some of the things that you have done to pull yourself out of that really, really deep hole and to make sure that you don't fall back into it? Because I think uh, I've learned at least that just because I've, I've healed doesn't mean that I can't re-injure myself significantly, uh, spiritually. Mm. So, so let's talk about that so that people can kind of get an idea of, um, what you've done.
2: You know, I thought what, what was super annoying was what people would always be like the practice, the practice, the practice. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not like, you know, like reality. And, and what I realized now deeper into this, like, it's really just coming back to the practice and not like go to Asana and go to the, like, go, don't, you don't have to do anything. Like stop doing, you don't have to go and do your meditation and do your asana and do your mantra. Like just be it, you know, be it and trust in it, you know, be it and trust in it. Because when we're there, the drama, the story, the projection, it's gone. It just doesn't exist anymore. And and, and that's, I think for me, I'm such a doer, you know, I can I I can hammer out any checklist for my like my business or whatever it is, you know, like I'm such a doer. And it's really the being of it, you know, like the experience. Being a witness to yourself is the biggest gift you can do for yourself in healing. When you're when I'm feeling squirrely, when I'm feeling whatever, I'm like, huh. I need to sit back for a second and just watch Danny because he needs something. You know, he needs, he needs tender, he needs rest. He needs some fucking water. He needs to he needs a full belly. He needs to feel held. To sit back and to witness, I think is the if I'm going to the to the, you know, if I'm going on the route of like I'm getting squirrely and I want to go, you know, whatever it is, you know, lose my rocker and and I don't know, go back into an old pattern and and be spiteful and mean and you know, for the sake of doing that, something is out of alignment and I'm not paying attention to myself. And so That is a reminder to me that I need to pay attention. And sometimes I can pay attention by moving my body and listening to my body. And sometimes I can pay attention by laying on my back and doing a yoga nidra where I'm embodied, right? And sometimes I pay attention by going for a walk. Other times I'm, you know, whatever it is, meditating. You know, there's so many, look, it doesn't matter what it looks like. You know, don't let any guru tell you that it has to be this or this certain way. Do the thing that's gonna help sustain you, one. And two, that is gonna get you to listen to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Listening to the, the quiet voice. We have to quiet down enough to listen to the quiet voice. I think.
2: Oh man, we go so many times, like it, it's, it's funny, you know, for everyone listening to this show, I'm going to give you that. like I'm going to burst your bubble right now, but any of the advice that I give you, you already know <laughs> any of the advice that you, that you've heard on any of these episodes or my podcast or whoever's podcast or whoever's, you know, b- book on self-help, you know, this stuff, you know, this stuff, you know this stuff. The wisdom, the information is so much, and yet we're starving for wisdom. The wisdom is inside of us. The wisdom is inside of you. You just gotta find your way to get there.
0: I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I always say that I I have never made a bad decision when I'm taking care of myself.
2: Hmm. Yeah, there's no questioning when you do.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, let's talk real quick before we wrap it up about, uh, and you know, what what are some of the things that you're doing besides teaching yoga um, and leading? You, you have you have other you have a million things going on. So let's talk about you training. Your training <laughs> you have an app. Yeah. How the hell did you make? Yeah. How, how the hell? Did, how the fuck did you make an app? Like that's. Dude,
2: I don't even want to hear the word app ever. Like building an app ever again. It was the, the nine months of nightmare for me.
0: It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs>
2: No, you know, I'm so thankful that I did it actually. It's, it's, I learned so, listen, like I'm a, I'm a nerd. I, I, like I, I embrace that word. I am a nerd uh, through and through. I love playing around with like different computer things. I love tech. Uh, I, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of our colleagues, Paul, like I'm the tech dude. I I get calls for like, how did you set this up? And and I just love that stuff. I think it's really, but sometimes it's dangerous because I will fall into it for hours and I should, when I should be in bed or when I should be meditating or whatever, I'll be like, I want
0: to figure out how to do this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I checked out your but website. I'm, your website looks so good.
2: My- thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Handmade. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I I do a lot, and I offer a lot, and and I just think it's a different invitation, right? So I, I I obviously I love to teach public class because that's an experience, and I love to teach trainings because the conversation that I get to have there is different. And I have a podcast because I love talking to people. Selfishly, the podcast is for me. There's a bunch of cool humans that I want to talk to. And so I get them on the show. Um, I agree. And then, it's, the <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. I just want to hear your story, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and and I, and yeah, and then I have the app. The app is, is such a great way. Right now, the app is it's everything in one. So you get the podcast in there. There's our Facebook community in there. There's our live classes in there. There's our pre-recorded content in there. There's any of the courses that I offer online. Teacher training is going to be in the app uh, coming up in the new year. Everything is really just centralized in the app. I don't need you to go and, and, and click on
0: five million different things everywhere on the internet. Um, you can just find it all in my app. That's amazing. And how long did it take so it took you nine months to build that and you built it all by yourself
2: i had a team for sure yeah i definitely had a team that helped me out and um you know they were really super awesome and and, and really cool um, and then i have my design goddess who's just got you know an eye for execution i can she it's almost like we when we have conversations i'm like this is what i want this is what i want it to look like and these are the colors da, 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 and she just
0: makes it happen beautiful hmm
2: But all the the tech stuff, like anytime anyone, you know, is in the app and they get a class alert or, you know, I do all, I do everything from start to finish. So I I edit the video, I I record myself and then I edit the recordings and then I, you know, splice them together and I, you know, the content copy, like everything on there is is done by me and my, my lovely team
0: who is amazing. Well, you just made me incredibly insecure, Danny. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) no i'm lucky because i have uh we have our tech team here for this podcast i was telling you about it michael and brent and uh they helped me not have uh panic attacks uh, this podcast wouldn't be possible without my team as well yeah. so yeah. yeah it's beautiful all right well what uh how can people get in touch with you besides your app like do you have any uh cool plans i know like nobody's traveling right now but do you have any tentative retreats planned or um i've got
2: i've got an like we're all, I've about, an
0: we're om- all about travel here. You know, obviously I, I live <laughs> in Bali and I want to encourage yeah. people not to be afraid to travel.
2: Well, I mean, I, there's nothing happening in person for me right now, given I'm in San Francisco and we're just completely, we can't do anything really, but I am doing a, uh, like, you know, I'm in the middle of a 20-day challenge right now. We're actually almost done. And the first weekend of December, I'm actually offering a, um, a, a two-day immersion. So it's, uh, it's rest and unwind. And it is a 10-day or rather a 10-hour immersion of just you decompressing your nervous system. So I'm facilitating, you know, slow flow, nidra, and restorative and then I'm going to break down the philosophy about why we do these practices and how these practices work on your uh, your your physical body and your energetic body. And then through the second half of it, I'm going to help you build your home practice. And if you're a teacher, or you know, I'll also teach you how the poses work and why, so you can then teach them to your students or just build them into your home practice. You know, whether you're new to practicing or whether you're a teacher, it's just two days of you. It's a way of cutting out the drama and the story so that you can tune in
0: to you. Wow. That was an amazing... You didn't even try to pitch it, but that was really, really good. I, I was like, man, I need to do that. <laughs> what are the dates?
2: Uh, it's the first weekend of December. Ah. Oh,
0: yeah. Dude, that that's the weekend yeah. that my baby is supposed to be born. Maybe I should just tell my wife, uh, sorry, I need a <laughs> weekend of Nidra and restorative and... No. <laughs> Hey babe, can you hold, please? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it sounds incredible. Well, I mean, all right. Well, I'll record. I'll record and send your way for sure. Please do. Actually, it sounds amazing. Um. All 100%. right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor having you on this podcast. And um. So your podcast is called Seeker and Sage, correct?
2: Seeker and Sage, man. Cool.
0: Seeker and Sage, Danny Pomplune <laughs> You can find him on Instagram at what's your Instagram?
2: Danny Palmplume, Danny with an I. And
0: you can, (laughs) you can check out his app. You can check out his, uh, uh, taking over the world, uh, through tech and being a brilliant human being and all of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in everybody. My name is Paul Tioto. have a beautiful, beautiful day, everybody. Take care.
1: Hello again. This is Michael Henry and I'm back. To conclude this episode, I just wanted to mention that we are still hosting this mentorship program for yoga teachers. We're actually going through the cohort right now. We're about midway through. It's going fantastic and it's going so well that we wanna do it again. And we are gonna be doing it again at the beginning of May. So if you were on the fence the first time around when we were offering this mentorship program to help level up your skills as a yoga teacher and ultimately become that professional instructor that you wanna be, you want that professional mentorship from people like Paul, Byron and myself to help guide you and give you the real-time feedback that you need to be able to get to that place, then this mentorship is exactly for you. So if you're interested, you can connect with either of us on uh, Instagram, or if you have any questions, you can actually go to yttmasterclass.com and you can find everything there. Otherwise, thanks for listening and we will see you next week.